This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. Money mindset is something that I've been working on knowingly and really hard for the last two years. I'd worked on it before that, but not necessarily intentionally. And it's one of the areas I feel that I have to work harder on because I was a teacher first. So when I was introduced to Eileen, who's a coach, who knows about money mindset and teaching, I was quite intrigued. So Eileen has a lot of experience. She offers online courses to help people reduce stress and increase their financial capability. She's still a practicing teacher. She co-hosts BBC's Clever About Cash podcast. She has her own podcast, which is called Your Money Sorted Teachers podcast, and she's a qualified financial coach. So who better to teach us about our money mindset in education than Eileen? Now, one of the common struggles that Education Business Club members face is around pricing. So listen in to what Eileen and I have to say about pricing in education business. So Eileen, welcome to the Education Business Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. I'm really excited to speak to you today. So it's still so weird for me, you know, I nearly said the teacher's podcast because I'm just so used to saying that and having a guest. So um, thanks for bearing with me. But you've been a guest on the teacher's podcast as well. I have. Yeah, that was great. Yep. So I kind of I mix over different different aspects of things. So yeah, both were appropriate. Yeah. Well, this is it. Money is such an important subject to teachers, ex-teachers. It's it's kind of that taboo subject for everyone, but I feel like in the education world, it's like just really intense. I, I totally agree. I think um, for some reason, um, in the UK anyway, it's, it's money is something that you don't talk about, isn't it? I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. how dare you talk about money? It's very rude to do so. So even when you were grown up, I think it was talked about in hushed tones and you didn't really get to, to talk about that at all. So we're starting, that starting point makes life really difficult. And I think in teaching as well, it's like we don't talk about how much we make. We don't talk about how much you're going to get for promotion. It just becomes quite rude to talk about it. And especially when we're talking about charging in education, Mm. because education's free, um, there seems to be an awful mindset around paying for people to come into schools and deliver workshops or deliver anything. And um, talking about paying for resources, etc. there always seems to be a kind of taboo against that, which I I don't quite understand that. Yeah, I I think in some ways it's misunderstanding. So when... there's this underlying thing I feel in education where it's like, oh, business is bad or businesses are out to make millions of pounds from teachers or schools or whatever. And that's not the case generally, is it? It's about providing a service. So you can have this taboo around all business is bad. And if it's resources, for example, why am I having to spend my own money? If it's not resources and it's like to the school, oh, why is the school having to spend money on that? And it's, it's, 
difficult to kind of overcome because you already feel that way when you're a teacher and then you leave the classroom and then you're like oh now I've got to be okay with receiving the money but even I still believe that yeah no I, I totally agree and it's it's funny because there seems to be an assumption that people who are in business are a defrauding the tax man are b yeah. doing everybody um they're they're looking out to try and kind of um uh, see, I can't even think of the word. I, I blame the menopause. Um, but they're they're trying to defraud everybody. And it, mm. th- there doesn't seem to be an assumption that actually businesses make money because they are providing a really, really good service for people. And we should be compensated for that. Yeah. But coming from the teaching background, it's really, really difficult to get into that kind of CEO mindset. Because I think teachers and ex-teachers, very, very guilty of underselling ourselves. And I think that comes from the fact that we're kind of beaten down by the constant scrutiny in education. And we've almost lost the power to believe in ourselves and to believe that we're good at things and to believe that we deserve to be well paid for what we do. So it kind of brings in a bit of imposter syndrome, I think. And, well, can I really do this? Do I really deserve to get well paid for it? So if you're a teacher who is now trying to make it in the kind of education, the wider education world and selling to schools and things, you're having to to work against that kind of background already where you maybe don't believe in yourself that you you can sell services that are worthwhile to other people. Yeah, I I completely agree. For me, it is all about belief. And the expectations that that we were trained into as well, like I've got a friend who I I know got a promotion and didn't get any more money for it. It's like that expectation of, well, you'll always do more. Like we can always move the goalposts a little bit more and expect you to do more. And so then when we start our own business and we could say that, charging a school for example because you know people who do like consultancy for a day in a school that amount that you charge could seem really expensive and it's really easy to think about it as just that slot of time when you're in the school you don't think about all the work you did afterwards you don't think about all the work you did before and you just think oh my word it's too easy to take that money no it can't be too easy oh we've got to lower it we've got to lower it because it feels too easy because when we're in school we've been trained that the expectations need to be so high and now the expectations are normal oh we we, we can't possibly take that money yeah that's right i mean in teaching we're expected to do more and we're expected to do more for no more money and y- you just do get used to that and that mindset is then very difficult to change. But like you say there, I mean, when when somebody goes into a school and even, I mean, I've done it myself when I saw how much people were charging to come into a school to deliver a workshop or whatever. You're like, oh, crikey. When you compare that to what you're getting paid as a teacher for a day, you're then going, well, goodness me, that's a huge amount of money. But these people are not delivering in school every day of the week because that's impossible, because they've got to have time to create resources, they've got to have time to create presentations, they've got to have time to do bookkeeping, they need to 
Um, they need to prepare themselves. They need to travel. They don't get any sick pay if they're off, etc. So business school holidays, you don't get paid for that. Aye, no, this is it. It's 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 a completely completely different thing, and we need to get out of the mindset of comparing it to a teacher's wage, and need to start mm. getting into the mindset of an entrepreneur and start thinking about what are the things that I need to charge for and how much do I need to charge in order to make it worth my while yeah I love how we've got into the conversation before we've got into the conversation (laughs) but I'm glad we're recording it so (laughs) but the thing is you know you're a teacher as well aren't you so you're, you're a money coach and you're a teacher what was it that made you want to go into business? Oh, goodness me. So I remember when I was a kid, I absolutely loved doing the books with my mum. Mum and dad had a farm um, and mum did all the books for it and I just absolutely loved doing the books. But what I always remember was she was always nagging my dad to charge more. And my dad was like, oh, we can't charge anymore. Nobody will pay that. Nobody will pay that. My dad, as long as he had like 10 quid in his pocket, he couldn't actually have cared. My mum, on the other hand, worried about money constantly and never felt very secure. And I think she would have found employment much easier because she would have known exactly how much was coming in each month. Whereas she found self-employment, because she was a partner in the business, she found self-employment really difficult because she didn't know how much was coming in. And although I really, really enjoyed that, the doing the books, I think I grew up seeing two very different sides to a business. Mm. On the one hand, my dad, who was out grafting, I mean, unbelievable. Farmers work really hard. Farmers get a really bad rap in this country sometimes. But if it wasn't for farmers, blooming heck, we wouldn't be getting fed. Um, Mm. And they work really, really hard, but they don't all make hundreds of thousands of pounds. Most of them don't actually make very little from it. And most of them deserve to actually make more for how hard they work. But Mm -hmm. it's not to do with how hard you work. It's how you price your your services and things so having grown up with that kind of background grown up on a farm and things and with a business I think I was always going to have my business um I have always had business ideas going through my head it doesn't matter what it is I've just always had these business ideas and lots of thoughts and before I came to Your Money Sorted I honestly, I've got folders and folders and folders in my computer of mad business plans that I was going to be starting and that I researched and things. And it wasn't until I got to kind of, um, when I was wanting to leave teaching, that actually I started a bookkeeping business, which I loved and it ticked a Well, I was going to say, like, did you not fancy going into an accountancy or anything? Yeah, so when I was at school, my favourite subjects were PE and accounts. Um, So I became a PE teacher. And then when I decided I didn't want to be a PE teacher full time because I had three big kids, I then started a bookkeeping business, which was really, really good. And it would actually be a really good business for lots of teachers because you can, it is a very regular income. Once you've got your clients, it's a very regular income and it's yeah. very predictable, etc. So it, it was a great business and I loved it. But I 
still had all these mad ideas going through my head. So it wasn't satisfying that kind of entrepreneur side of me. So then I decided to start Your Money Sorted. And well, some days I wish I hadn't, but um, most days I'm really glad <laughs> I did. But it's, um, and now I, I help teachers now to manage their money more effectively and to create time and freedom to do whatever the blazes they want and not feel stuck in teaching. But I have learned so, so much about money and about mindset and stuff around pricing and, and earning your value um, through that, which I just, I love to talk about and I love to help other people with. I love that story. I really wasn't expecting um, to, to find out that. So thank you so much. Like, oh, I'm... They say, don't they, that, that people love stories. I'm that person who loves a good story. Um, so where did you figure out about money then? So you, you're you in teaching and you've got this background. And, you, and I suppose like me, you've probably always had a little business on the side. That's kind of like how I went. And it's funny how I, to hear you talk about I always had business ideas. Now, I wouldn't have called my ideas business ideas. They were more like I've always seen gaps in the market whether I've thought of it as a business idea for myself or not, I've always seen gaps in the market. Now, whether sometimes you don't have the capacity to be able to make that a thing, like a, a really good example is, I think if they had like a um, like a, f- a food prep service that didn't use plastic, yeah, that used glass, and that also had kids' versions. And wasn't like the the portions were not too small. I'm all in. Yep. But that's too much work for me to think about and too much investment. So I'm not going to do it. But yep. you know, it's, any chefs in Halifax, go for it. It is a I great idea. Return totally. all the glass containers. So things like that. Like I've always got these ideas. And I, so I see a lot of similarities in us. But so you're in teaching and you've got these businesses on the side. When do you learn about money? Yeah, it's very difficult, isn't it? And that's why um, I I do my business. I kind of run on social media and I just encourage, I've got a free group that I encourage teachers to come into and find out about money and just generally um, embed it into your day-to-day life and make, make learning about money fun because money mindset is absolutely incredible to learn about and I know that you've been learning about it as well and it's so much fun it's so much fun to talk about it's so much fun to learn about and it is the biggest thing that makes a difference to everybody not just to teachers not just to business owners but to absolutely everybody if you are aware of your money mindset aware of the ways that you think about money and then become aware of how that then makes you act with money You literally can change your life so, well, not so easily, that's ridiculous, but you can change your life so much more easily by becoming very, very aware of money mindset and how powerful it is. Yeah, and it's it's not just about money, is it? It's not just money because it's all about memories and I think I've told you I'm working with a high performance coach at the moment and it's all about money, Um, but it's about receiving and making sure that you are open to that and things but where, where did you learn about money so you're in teaching or you obviously you're still in teaching now and you had businesses on the side but what made you want to learn more about money right so I was still in teaching and 
left teaching and well no still I was still teaching two days a week and had this bookkeeping business but I became really really oh miserable about money and I was really very very unhappy in my life I was very very unhappy financially and I did I didn't really know why because we didn't really have much less money than we'd had before but I just felt that we did and it stemmed back to when I was having a second child but child number two became child number two and three and we had twins and three under two and my immediate reaction to that was um oh how on earth are we going to put three through university and we'll need a bigger car? That was my first words when I saw the scan picture. Immediately yes. financial, immediately worried. And I spent the next oh, probably 16 years being worried about money, being unhappy about money and saying no to everything because we don't have enough money. Because my mindset was I need to save up enough money to help my children through university. And the only way I could see doing that was by cutting back my expenses and by saving more money. So I just put more and more and more money into savings and left ourselves less and less money to spend. And that just made me utterly, utterly miserable. And it was yeah. probably after, it was probably after about 14 years of that, I was then like, right, something needs to change here because this is ridiculous. I, I feel unhappy and... And we just don't have any money for fun and we're not doing things that we should be doing. So I then started kind of looking for the answer. And then I found Denise Duffield-Thomas, who is a money mindset mentor for business women. And from then on, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the issue. It's yeah. me that's the issue. It's not the money. It's the way I feel about money. It's the way I behave with money. And it's it's not been a fast process because it takes time, but the things that I do, the things that I now believe about money has just changed my mindset so much. It's so much easier to bring money into my life. I feel so much freer about it. I don't panic about money anymore. I believe that there's an infinite amount of money out there. And um, yeah, I'm excited about my financial future and I'm excited to be able to share that with other people now and to help teachers to have a much more productive, more happy money mindset as well. Yeah, we're, we're massive fans of Denise Duffield-Thomas in Education Business Club um, and we, we share her podcast all the time. And, you know, in some ways, Eileen, I feel like we're, we're on a similar mission in that what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to take some... I don't want to use the word new age, but this 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 concept that like business will accept first, and we're trying to translate that into teaching because we know it's helpful. So for you, it's money mindset, and for me, it's personal development. Yeah. Like I know, like a hundred percent, having a a different money mindset and knowing about personal development will make teachers happier, and I love that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, 100% agree with that um so let's go back to pricing then so obviously we've got lots of education business owners listening some are ex-teachers some are not ex-teachers and we do struggle with the whole pricing thing it's 
it happens a lot in the club. People are like, how much should I charge for writing a blog? How much should I charge for my sessions? How much are people charging? A lot of it is around charging. And it's almost like we want to figure out, is that okay? Is, is this allowed? Um, will I really turn them off because it's too much money? But then we also don't want to price too low either because then we kind of shackle ourselves with this resentment. So... What are, your, what are your top tips for, for pricing? How do we get the mindset right? Okay, right. So, yeah, pricing by comparison. We need to not do that um, because what other people are charging is not really relevant to what you need to charge. Um, it is useful to look around and see what others are charging. It might give you a rough idea, but you've actually got no idea whether they're underselling themselves. And you certainly don't want to base your prices on somebody else who isn't valuing themselves or their services enough because then they're underselling themselves and you're underselling yourselves. So what I think you need to do, there's a few things I think you need to do. And firstly, you need to start improving your money mindset or becoming aware of your money mindset. Now, for me, a couple of tips around that is to just start noticing how you feel about money. Um, how do you feel when you spend money? How do you feel when you accept money? And grab a journal, start writing about it and start just, just being very, very aware of it. Another thing that I would recommend is that you start listening to positive podcasts and it's great that you're saying that you listen to Denise Duffield Thomas's podcast in the Education Business Club, because for women entrepreneurs, it, there, there just is nobody better. Um, so listen to her podcasts because she's absolutely All the amazing. men listen as well. The, All the, the men, men as the well. Men. Yeah, they like yeah, it as I'm well. I'm like, listen, you need to listen. You, you need to listen to her books. You need to listen to her podcast, even though it's talking about lucky bitches. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. It, it's relevant to everybody. It really is. And um, her, her books, her blogs, podcast absolutely brilliant the the other kind of thing that I find is useful in money mindset is affirmations now you were saying earlier on about kind of new age stuff people might go oh my goodness affirmations but all affirmations really are are talking to yourself in your head and we know how damaging it is when we talk to ourselves in our head badly and when we tell ourselves that we're not good enough and when we tell ourselves that we can't do it then that's what's going to happen. We're not going to be good enough yeah. and we're not going to be able to do it. So affirmations for me are simply the things that you're saying in your head. So things like, I am worthy of success. Very, very simple. If you hear yourself saying, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't be charging that much or mm, so-and-so's changed. I am worthy of success. So just, just use these phrases. I deserve to be paid for my skills, time and knowledge. Just make that a kind of go-to phrase. So if any time you hear yourself becoming really negative, feeling a wee bit scared about pricing, feeling a bit scared about asking for that figure, I deserve to be paid for my skills, time and knowledge. And I'm going to talk in a wee while about how you can kind of put a figure on that as well. And one of my yeah. favourites is, it's a Denise Duffield Thomas one, and it's I serve... I deserve. Really, really yeah, simple. Yeah, I serve, I deserve. I say that to myself a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just helps you move out of that place where you're feeling not good enough or where you're feeling a wee bit icky about charging. 
then keep repeating it to yourself. And even even if you're not believing it at the time, you will begin to believe that and it really does help. So that would, those are just three wee things, three wee money mindset hacks that you can kind of start to build into your daily life, really. Yeah, and I love that. And I know you talked about affirmations being what you say in your head, but I think you can say them out loud as well. So something that I'm doing at the moment um, is on the school run. Like I do listen to podcasts, but sometimes I like, I just know when I've got to turn the podcast off and I will say out loud and I think you can you can help yourself believe because you can listen to yourself and you think that doesn't sound like I believe it and so you can work on it more and one of the things that I say at the moment I've got this little song going on with the um with the kids that I've taught them as well and I basically say x million pounds in the bank the number that I'm working towards and I'll be like x million pounds in the bank and they'll just kind of keep saying that and thinking about that in the certain businesses. And it's, do you know what it's about? It's about normalizing that. Yeah. That it's not, it's not this big, really unattainable figure. It's normal and possible. Yeah, it's normal. It's possible. And having X million pounds in the bank doesn't make you a bad person. No. And there, there seems to be, there's still that kind of perception around rich people and around wealthy people and we need to break through that as well because if you are someone who is having negative thoughts around rich people, wealthy people, then your ability to build wealth is going to be curtailed because Mm. you do not want to become that person. So it's about looking for good, positive wealthy role models because there are a lot of them out there but sometimes in the popular press they like to um, shove the the examples of wealthy people who are not good people down our throats yeah and that that doesn't help your money mindset in any way we need to be looking and actively looking for wealthy role models who are doing lots of good things in the world who are lovely lovely people who are bringing up wonderful children who are generous who are donating to charity blah blah we need to start looking for these people because those are the type of people that we want to become yeah you're completely right and and you know, since doing Money Boot Camp and and obviously working with another coach as well, I'm seeing it so much more. So I can't remember the film, but we watched a film the other day, and I said to Ed straight away, "This is bad for money mindset because um, the the bad guy was really really rich." And I think you know, I, I've shared one of the affirmations that I've got, and it's a, it's around making it okay for you. So when I'm saying this X billion in the bank, I'm not actually thinking about my personal bank account. I'm thinking about the business bank account. And so for me, that's like a, I'm not saying that I don't feel like I could receive that, but it's easier for me to to see that as a business and that how that's going to help everyone. And I can, I can be a lot more brave with that, if that makes sense. No. So it's a good place to start. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, But again, we've got to be comfortable with accepting that in our business lives, in our personal lives, but it probably is slightly easier to accept it in our business life, perhaps because we feel we deserve it more. Um, But 
that then comes back to that I talk about the kind of self-love concept a lot and we really all need to love ourselves more and feel that we deserve good things in our personal lives as well and um, I do a lot of work around that as well and helping teachers to believe that they deserve good things because I think a lot are are downtrodden and don't believe that yeah. they deserve good things so, but it's it's mental how fascinating as she knocks over her microphone. Wait a minute till she picks it back up. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just an aside there. Um, it's it's fascinating how all of this impacts on our life. And until you start thinking about it and until someone brings an awareness to it, you just don't realise how these things are holding you back in life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think... You know, we were just talking about there, like it's it's almost like it's safer for me to think about that for the business because because I'm thinking about how it benefits everybody, and I'm not just thinking about how it benefits me, and and that's something I'm still kind of working through myself, and you know, it should interest people because I'm sure that lots of other seven figure entrepreneurs out there are are in the same boat where they they still got to work through this stuff, so. To close then, what mindset should we adopt when it comes to money? Right. Can I? Let me give you the mindset around pricing um, with Mm -hmm. a little, a little um, mindset stuff and a little reality stuff. So when somebody is looking at pricing their business, there's effectively three things that they're really needing to look at. And the first thing they need to look at is thinking about the reality of the situation. So how much are their overheads? How much does their website, email provider, bookkeeping software, memberships, marketing, advertising, et cetera, et cetera. How much does all that cost them each year or each month? Not forgetting to add in like light and heat, phone and broadband, travel, et cetera. The other thing that people forget about is that most people are going to have to pay around 20% on their profits. So build that into your costings for how much you're going to charge as well. A wee aside there is get used to putting away 20% each month, 20% of your income each month. And that then means that when it comes to tax bill time, um, you've got plenty um, to pay your tax bill and you can also treat yourself to a little extra. So paying your tax bill actually feels quite exciting. So when you are, when you're talking about the figures, so that is the business side of it. But what you've also got to think about, how much does your lifestyle cost? And Mm -hmm. how much would you really like to be earning? And how much would you need to be earning in order to do that? Because when you're thinking about your business, you've also got to think about the reality of how much you're going to be able to pay yourself. So if you get those three things, your overheads, your tax, and how much your lifestyle is going to cost, that should then give you a realistic figure of how much you need to aim for each month. What you then need to do is from that, don't start thinking about how much per hour you are going to need to charge to do that. That's the that's the kind of thing people start thinking about, right, how much do I need to charge per hour, etc.? If you start thinking about your hourly rate, then it can become quite scary. What you Mm. need to think of instead is about the value that you are providing to the school 
or to the people that you are working for. So for example, if you're taking behaviour workshops into a school, then the value for that lies in creating better relationships, calmer classrooms, happier teachers and students, reduced stress and improved results. Now, that is worth a fortune to a school. Mm, and yeah. for from my example, where I'm working with teachers, it's not about how much money I can save them, though the monetary savings are huge. It's about reduced stress. It's about creating a happier life, giving them more free time, more family time, helping people to leave teaching earlier, giving them increased wealth, increased freedom, increased opportunities. Now, that's priceless. If I start saying, right, OK, how much is that worth an hour? I get to a ceiling figure really, really quickly and I can't see myself charging more than that. But if you think about the value that you're providing for the people that you are working for, working with, then that helps you to charge more effectively for yourself. So for me, there's there's like three things add up to make the value. Time, money and expertise. So the time is the time it's taken you to learn your trade. It's the time it takes you to do the work and it's the time it saves for the client. You must consider all those three things. When you're thinking about money, you should have worked out your overheads, etc. But you've also got to think about the money that you have spent on learning your trade because you will have invested on yourself to do this. You've also got to think about the money that you're making for the client. So let's say you're you're a designer, um, maybe a graphic designer creating a logo or something. If you're designing a, a small logo for a small local company's website, then what you charge is going to be very, very different to designing, let's say, a logo for a big multinational company that's developing a new gin. And that's going to be on every gin bottle that comes out. Mm. That Those two are they're very, very similar briefs because they're both to design the logo but obviously the impact and the value for the client is very very different so you have to price those very very differently the and lastly what you've got to remember is your expertise so as well as the time and the money that you have spent developing that expertise there's also experience in delivering are you a novice at this or are you the best in the world and there are very, very different pricing structures to that. So when you are coming up with a pricing or a price for the service that you are delivering, you must consider all these things rather than just saying, right, what's so-and-so charging and copying that? You've got to decide for you what's the most appropriate pricing. Yeah, oh, I love that. That's so good. Thank you. I was just thinking about about how sometimes we leave the classroom and then we start something or, or maybe we're in transition and we're starting something and we think that we are starting the business because we want to leave teaching and while that might be true in the first place that means that we then undervalue all the experience that's going on alongside so for me for example I could have said oh hang on a minute I was a secondary teacher then I was a primary school teacher I failed at both of those and then I wanted to create resources but actually, from creating those resources day in, day out, even when I was in primary, I had this very specific way of, of creating resources because of what I believed. 
uh, then I tutored and sometimes like you'd if a child needed to catch up sometimes you'd teach them like year two fractions year three fractions year four fractions all in one session so I could see like how the progression could really work I you know when it came to pricing at classroom sequence I didn't think about that because I was like oh yeah but I'm this downtrodden teacher who doesn't know anything and all these teachers have stayed in teaching and I can't hack it but actually I was more experienced probably at creative resources by then so it's it's remembering that, isn't it? And and being aware of that, that that you are, even if you don't feel like the expert, are you doing it more than other people? Because you probably are. Yeah, definitely. And you've got to value yourself and value your time and, and value that expertise. Um, people have then also got to be willing to pay for it. And, you know, if people are not willing to pay your price, then they're not your people. Find other people. Yeah. There's plenty of people out there willing to pay and willing to pay for quality quality workmanship or quality service. So just, if they don't want to pay it, fine. Find somebody else. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And sometimes, you know, I feel like in education business, we, we know a lot about education and, and we're happy to talk about the things that we talk about in education, but sometimes you just need to hear the business like slap you in the face. Yep, definitely. Like this is the business bit. Find your people. <laughs> That's the important thing. Eileen, thank you so much. This has been such a good chat and I know that everyone's going to get a lot out of it because pricing is a big, a big thing to tackle with your mindset more than anything. It is, yeah. And I just hope that people find it useful. I'm sure they will. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.